Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you so much for joining us for the special Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. I hope you had a happy Hanukkah if you celebrate that. And a happy winter solstice. We're actually recording this on... Uh, the day of the winter solstice so i hope uh, i hope you are enjoying this uh this week already uh we are joined by brother of the show trey and girlfriend of the show justina hello hey, trey. hey hey justina and i'm big bear <laughs> uh, childhood um friend of ours Childhood friend of the show. <laughs> it's Big Bear. <laughs> That's right, and Mister's here. Uh, Mister is uh, Justina's family dog, so it's uh, Justina's family dog of the show. And uh, we are celebrating Christmas, and we're going to just do our simple, normal Christmas episode. We'll start off talking about the year of, of comedy for us. It was, of course, a weird year for comedy. And then we'll talk some SNL. And some other fun stuff. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about this year in comedy, Justina. Uh, you and I both had a, a different year than was originally intended <laughs> for comedy. I believe yeah. last year we said we wanted to put together a show, but obviously with COVID, we were just not able to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we don't have a good excuse for not writing it. We still should be writing it. We've been spending so much time together. Um, But yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, And also right before this, I realized um, butter, butter, butter got the, you know, news that we renewed, you know what I mean? Like Mm our team, team I'm on, I'm on, we got the news because it's like six month seasons that we were just renewed and we were so happy. And then Mm -hmm. bam, COVID. Um, and, And then of course we transitioned to the virtual shows. Right, and it's just been such a weird... I was just thinking about this because my team, Sweetheart, has been together, I guess in March, it'll be the end of two and a half years? Wow. Something That's like that. That's a long that. time. That is. That's a long time for a team at, you know, the Magnet Theater teams. Uh, people were calling teams veteran teams when they were at three years. You yeah. Know, two and a half, three years, they were veteran teams. And um, we're going to continue on, but it's just uh, uh, virtual. And I, you know, I just don't know what it's going to be like by the time we are doing live shows again. And I'm, I'm saying that, like, just putting out in the universe, like, we'll be doing shows on the magnet stage again. But, I mean, we're not out of this thing. So, of course, uh, anything can still happen. But it's, um, I, I, the hope is we'll be performing again but i don't really know what the fair thing is for these theaters to be doing it's such an unprecedented thing to shut down for 
who knows how long, and then to, um, if you survive it, to open back up, like, what is the fair right thing to do? I don't know. When you say that, you mean fair to who? Fair to the people who were in classes before COVID and people who would have auditioned for teams you know, like people like that who maybe took some classes oh, virtually during COVID. Like those people who are on the brink of becoming performers at the theater, basically. Right. right. Oh, yeah. And, How do you um, they left off? Right. And like, you know, we have a couple of veteran teams that, um, I don't know what all of the veteran teams are doing. I guess two of them were going to be, uh, a, this the the season that we were in before... COVID or the season we were going into is going to be their last season. And then right. COVID happened. So, you know, they didn't get to have their last show on the stage in a actual swan song sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the season we were going into, they weren't even going to be on like right. they were ending. Right. Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, the season that we would be in right now because the new season would have started in September and they weren't, they wouldn't have been here. Right, but they were not going to be here in the summer either, babe. They weren't going to be. This one, right? I guess in March it would have been over. Yeah. Right. So the season that we are in now, they definitely wouldn't have been in, and <laughs> the next season, I don't know. I just don't know what anyone's going to do, and I don't know what's fair to do. But you know, obviously, th there's nothing fair about COVID and what it's done and how it's going to play out. And uh, I don't know that there is a perfect way to respond to it because you're going to do something that's going to be upsetting to a large group of people regardless. Did the uh, yeah. number of virtual shows end up being about the same frequency as what you would have done in person? At first, we yeah. were doing shows every week. And that's exactly what we would have been doing. And then a month or so ago, they said... Let's not make people do shows every week because some people hate doing these virtual shows. Um, and so they, they started doing every other week. So four week four shows a month became two shows a month. Um, I think like whatever was going to happen before, like forget it. It's lost. It's gone. Right. And so like don't worry about like being fair to whatever was promised or understood before. Because, mm -hmm. like, people's whole priorities have changed. You know, like, we have a member of our team who, who after COVID hit, they were like, oh, wait, improv every week, like, even real improv, not just virtual improv, is hard for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I have given myself enough of a break to have known that. And so, you know, this, this allowed for people to revisit their priorities. And so, like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who want to get back into comedy who, you know, are, are, were, it was taken away from them and now they're going to get it back or like their theater closed down and now they want to get back into a new theater. Mm -hmm. But then there's also people like, I don't know if there's many, but there's some who are like, oh, I don't want to do comedy anymore. And now I know that because COVID helped me to, or, you know, quarantine helped me to reevaluate my, my priorities and comedy isn't one of them or weekly improv isn't one of them. Right. It's um that too. Yeah, it's a weird time. Um, and then obviously there are a lot of people who 
kind of blossomed. Uh, they started doing stuff online. But I think everyone got really burnt out with trying to still hustle and grind um, under the circumstances that we were in. Because there were so many shows. I posted something online for There It Is that took all of the line all of the online shows that were happening across the country i guess there are some in other countries and uh, i put them all together it's like here are shows that you can watch online and some of these shows are weekly and um here you go and i would say 90 percent of those aren't still happening yes that's crazy it was but like april what? they did it and then may at some point they just started dropping off that's so wild. You're right. There were so many there at the beginning. I kind of forgot about that. But they're not as enjoyable to do. They're not as enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't know, it's like improv and also stand-up, I think, are, are magic when they're live, you know? Yeah, yeah it's so hard to do any of them uh, online, but like so much of stand-up is... It's like a dialogue. <laughs> it's the illusion of a dialogue with an audience. Because you're not really trying to interact uh, with them. You don't want them to talk back. You want them to, to laugh back. But <laughs> there's uh, a vibe that a comic gets making eye contact with an audience and responding to how they are responding. And even, like, you know, Bill Burr in his monologue on SNL earlier this season, like, pointed at a guy in the front row and said something about how... The, the guy's facial expression based on what he said. And it's that sort of needling an audience member. That's such a fun, spontaneous thing about stand-up. And you can't do that on a Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> you're not seeing anyone's face and you're not feeling their vibe. So mm -hmm. uh, I've watched you all on Twitch a few times. And as a, as a viewer, I didn't notice the uh, difficulty that, that you all might be describing about how it was doing it online. But uh, you, you're kind of touching on it a little bit, but just how big of a difference did that connection, because improv obviously is different than the stand-up needle in the audience. Uh, you all are able to kind of see each other on Zoom enough to try to pick up on signals, but how just how different does that feel to you? I would say there's still no vibe in the room. Like, you don't still you still lose that vibe and sense even though you can look at them um you, you just basically know what they're doing but you don't it's it's not like being on stage and getting a, a sense of what they're doing or what yeah. like is it really happening and then we also lost like the sidelines work we would do like maybe there'd be a scene going on and i could look at somebody else on the sidelines and we could make eye contact and be like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, <laughs> or we're gonna walk out together. And you couldn't do that with Zoom Prov because cameras are off if you're not on this on screen or whatever on stage. Insane, and, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it just was weird to me. <laughs> I, I, I never really vibed with the virtual improv, though I have seen some teams like kind of adjust their format. So it's really conducive to Zoom and they use like, zoom backgrounds and zoom features and i'm like oh that's that's good that's how you should do it you know if you try and do what we did on stage on zoom it's not gonna work you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and some people are gonna find some fun things that can spruce up a zoom show 
but it's still not going to touch what a live show is going to be like. I tell you, the first night that the theater's open, I'm going to be there. I don't care if I have a show or not, because that is going to be a fun show. The energy in that room is going to be wild. It's going to be a packed house. I'm I'm definitely going to have to stand. (laughs) There's no way I'll get there early enough. That's going to be a fun experience. I can't wait. From a business kind of behind-the-scenes standpoint, how's your theater theater been? Um, have they been pleased with how Twitch and being online has, has helped expand maybe beyond just the local New York crowd, or, or how's that side of it? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. Have you heard anything, Justina? No, but I would say, and this is purely Justina speculation, nothing more. I feel like these online shows are more for us, the players benefit than like just giving us a space to perform than they're being used to promote the theater or, you know, expand business. Uh, that's what I feel. I, I don't think they're being used for anything prospecting. Yeah, I think it is more, that's along the lines of what I was going to say, too, is that it seems like it's more of a community thing that it's helpful for. Because that's the big thing about Magna is that this is a community. Because you look at, like, UCB, and they just shut down in New York, and they're just sort of like, oh, well. And they're not doing a bunch of online stuff, because they were just like, oh, if you can figure out, do it. But, well, whereas Magna was, we're all talking and engaging with each other on the Facebook page. Uh, magnet community group and uh, people are just reaching out to each other and um, the uh, people who run the theater have been very vocal and it, it what I feel like is thriving is just the community and the love for that magnet community um, but beyond that I really don't know what it's helping with I, I, I just don't um, well I obviously the thing that I hope for next year is for live shows to come back for the for magnet theater to reopen for us to all get to be together and see each other again. Do you have, well, I have another, but do you have uh, anything Justina that you are hoping for comedy wise next year? Um, yeah, just what you said. And then personally, I'd like to do some more writing mm-hmm. and, um, and like produce some like top-notch TikToks, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I still want to do the show with you, and obviously that's just like if there's a place to do it. I want to never it. talk about it again and just do it because all we do is talk about it instead of doing it. So that's I hope true. we never. We have it. now, in fairness to us, there are things we have written. We yes. just haven't like. Uh, hit the ground running with putting the whole thing together. Yeah. We we have like a loose idea for structure and then we have some sketches that we've planned. I was actually thinking about one the other day and I'm like, that still works for me. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of times a comedy bit, when I think of it months later, I'm like, ah, that's not as funny to me anymore, but this one is still funny to me. Okay. So, So, um, it's a, I told you about it, the Mr. Sandman one. Oh, yeah, 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 that's good. I was thinking about it the other day and just sort of like, yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. Well, next topic, since it's the Christmas season, is 
favorite Christmas movie. There's so many out there. It seems like the only ones are Home Alone related right now. I feel like that's all I've seen since we've been here. Home Alone keeps playing. And my yeah, mom keeps watching it. Every, every other day it's on Freeform. <laughs> um, only the first two, though. That's true, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we found out about Home Alone 3 and Home Alone 4 and some other Home Alone movie. Oh, my gosh. And they're... All bad after two. Well, I knew about three because I saw it. That's true. I ran yeah. into it one day and saw the family, and I was like, "That's Scarlett Johansson." <laughs> but wow. it's the fourth one, and the what? So there's there's Holiday Heist. Yeah. <laughs> and there was something about the band, the like Bandit was in the name. I think I don't know. They, um, th- at some point they just get to be like the Airbud sequels, where it's like, why did they do this? This is straight to video. This is yeah. <laughs> this is not a good movie. Um, but there are a ton of great movies, great great Christmas movies, and I really have a desire to watch Die Hard, and I'm torn on if it's a truly a Christmas movie or not because people have debated this for a while, and somebody that I know is saying it's not a Christmas movie. If you take Christmas out of it, then it doesn't change the movie at all. But Rob, best friend of the show, I think accurately pointed out that the whole reason John McClane is even there was even there is mm-hmm. because it was Christmas. Right. You know, if it was July 4th weekend, he probably wouldn't have been there, right? Like, if you take that holiday out, he's not there. Mm. And it's a Christmas Eve party. It really... Uh- Great does point. hinge on <laughs> being Christmas, but it's not about the spirit of Christmas. Obviously, it's not. So I don't. It it's just made me wonder what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie, and to that whole point, I also wondered: is it's a Wonderful Life a Christmas movie? Then, because if you take Christmas out of it, is it still a Christmas movie? And of course, um, I mean, is it still? Does it affect the story if you take the Christmas out? And of course, it does. Mm-hmm. It's it's still so. I, but it's a wonderful life. That's my that's my favorite. When did you become torn movie. on the Die Hard thing? Because you used to not be. I was joking mostly about it before, and I wasn't like adamant having an opinion. And then the naysaying that I've heard recently has made me go, "Wait, but I don't know." <laughs> yeah, because I remember Stephen Amell cites that as his favorite Christmas movie. It was actually. So we found out about it because an episode of Arrow, Oliver Queen said it was his favorite Christmas movie, but apparently it's true for Stephen Amell in real life as well. I say if you want to watch it at Christmas, then just call it a Christmas movie. If it puts you in the Christmas mood, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I feel like that's how I feel about Elf, as do millions of others. And... Um, also, it's like, um, whenever I watch Nightmare Before Christmas, I watch it at Halloween. I, I think it's more of a Halloween movie, but by the end, I'm like, Christmas. Because <laughs> obviously, that's what happens with that movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that goes without saying. Um, so it's ridiculous that you even said that, but <laughs> another, I think that's it. I feel like I'm blanking. What about you, Trey? I'm definitely It's a Wonderful Life to the point where I'm surprised I haven't seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington yet because all the things that I love about It's a Wonderful Life are 
I mean, that's Capra and and, and Stewart at their best. Um, and, and I find more emotional resonance with it each year as I keep getting older. Like, there are certain things that hit me harder. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful life. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the classics. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing how much it still is relevant today. Mm-hmm. Maybe especially now. Because uh, there's that scene uh, after um, after George Bailey's dad died, uh, where uh, they're about to vote on what happens to the building and loan, and Mr. Potter's like, "Ah, oh, those those poor people, they have to wait, wait to be able to buy their house." And that that monologue that Jimmy Stewart gives, "Wait, wait for what?" And this this rabble you're talking about, they're the ones who do all the living and the dying and the working in this town and it's that line gets me every year Mm, that's a good one that is and that really does relate to right now you know with like the people who are getting vaccinated who obviously the frontline people and the uh, people who are susceptible but uh, they deserve it but then you have certain politicians who are naysaying it naysaying this pandemic and they're getting vaccinated before the general public and it's like but you were naysaying it and that that really feels like that uh they they'll wait mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like well why do they have to wait yeah <laughs> they're the ones that are busting their humps and to keep this country together um so they're they're very important uh yeah that's a great movie and i hate when people try to misrepresent like they act like George wasn't upset about any of the deaths and the other effects of his not existing until he found out that uh, Mary was an old maid, as they say in the movie. And I'm like, but that's not the point they're making. <laughs> they're not saying that. Oh, how awful that this woman wasn't a mar- wasn't married. That's, he he wanted to see the love of his life, and she had no idea who he is, and he had a visceral reaction to that, which anyone would. I don't think that's the only thing that's happening there, though, because you do have to take into account this is 1940, whatever, when the movie came out, and being an old maid then was considered. I understand a that, thing. but I don't think, I don't think that was George's reaction. I don't think it was the only part of his reaction, hmm. but I think it was part of it because he was. I, I agree with. So we've had this debate <laughs> offline <laughs> more than once, okay. um, but. I, you know, I do think he was reacting to the fact that his wife didn't recognize him. I think that mm-hmm. is what Jimmy Stewart uh, intended. I just don't think that's the only thing because they did develop, they did do this as a crescendo, going up to right. what they right, considered right. was the worst thing, and even as Clarence, the way that Clarence delivers it, you're not going to like it, George. She's an old maid, <laughs> like that. That was the thing that was supposed to, as written, that was supposed to get you. And so there is, like, if that movie were to get remade now, they wouldn't make her an old maid, and that's the awful thing. She'd probably be married to an abusive husband, you know, it'd be something like that. Mm -hmm. But that was considered a bad enough thing then that 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 was that was after George found out his brother was dead. I see, I still (laughs) say that he is, as you mentioned, the crescendo, but I think his big reaction wasn't just to marry it was all of it you know like the fact that his brother is there and was like well my mom and then she doesn't know him he's like this is, doesn't make sense the only person that can make sense out of all of this for me is mary mm-hmm. and then he couldn't even get that 
you know, because she didn't know who he was. That's what I think it is. But, I mean, obviously it's written from the perspective of, oh, women, you got to get married. I'm not saying that's not. And also, uh, like, you know, like so much of a woman's meaning of life, for better or for worse, was like getting married and having kids. And so, right, like, if thing, you like those kids attain, a, you know, like accomplish that goal in life, I'm holding up quotation marks, you know, like life wasted life ruined life you know sucks, and they, they you know? did set that up early in the movie with little child mary whispering into george i'm gonna love you till the day you die and mm-hmm. so setting up the the marriage to him as the as a bit of an end game sort of thing mm-hmm. um avengers end game <laughs> my favorite christmas movie. i mean i i'm they should not remake that movie because of any reason. <laughs> right. You but can't it make is, it as magical. Right. right. But, but you know, there are certain things that are to the of Would the time. be updated. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll um, concede that point. Oh, man. Imagine the fury if they remade it. Like, people would be excited, yeah. but also you'll be like, what the actual? <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's dicey to take a movie that's magical and remake it because it's so hard. I mean, what... This wasn't a topic we were going to talk about, but what movie that has been remade where the original was magical recaptured that magic with the remake? I don't know. That would probably take some thought to really go into it. And some of it depends on... And Rob will, I'm sure, want to chime in on that. (laughs) Yeah, but there, there is some degree of when were you introduced to the original versus when you were introduced to the remake? Because right. you and I both saw the remake to Sabrina before mm-hmm. we saw the original. And I think that the remake's better. I think the There's Harrison Ford, well. Greg Kinnear version. And, yes. And, and part of it is that the original, yes, it's an Audrey Hepburn movie, but it wasn't like full-on Audrey Hepburn. Like mm-hmm. anyone could have played that role. Right, right. And, and somebody else needed to play uh, the role that Humphrey Bogart played, and that somebody else was Harrison Ford. Right. <laughs> he was better in the role than Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. The, you know, he just, Humphrey isn't funny. And, and, so, and I also think some of the updates they did to the story, like that whole side cooking class thing that they did in the original wasn't as good to me as the photography side angle in the remake. Right. So it's it's stuff like that. But again, if somebody who was around for the original might not have the same opinion mm-hmm. just because they were of the Humphrey Bogart, Audrey Hepburn era. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, another example that's not quite the same thing because it's a TV being remade as a movie. But our dad never bought Harrison Ford as the fugitive. It's Richard Kimball, and I doubt he's alone, even though that's a four-star movie, because the the TV show is so classic. So it's there is some degree of yeah. When when did you come around? That's true, but I will say with with Fugitive, it being like how long was that movie on? Like several years, many many years. It clocked a lot of hours mm-hmm. where you got to really live with the guy. The, the experience of watching a TV show is just so different than a, a two hour movie. So you know, people feel a lot more connected to a character who is on a TV show than they do a character in a movie to a mm-hmm. certain degree. And I think that makes it uh, hard to compare. But yeah, I mean that is an, another one of those examples where the remake is. May be tough to uh, pull off for for 
like you said, when somebody was introduced to it. I'm trying to think. This isn't like, oh, this movie was magical, but let the right one in uh, mm. and then let me in. I thought they both were so good and they nailed them both. So I didn't feel, I, I felt like they did capture. So that would be my answer to the question, but that's kind I of. I only a saw dodgy. the original version. I actually didn't see the American remake, but the original was. So good. Mm-hmm. It's so, so good. I've watched both of them again. That's how much I like uh, the movie. Classic Christmas. I haven't seen the American one either. We we needed to watch that. Um, also, just like before we get off of movies, Christmas Story. Duh. That's what I was trying to think of. Like, yeah. That movie is phenomenal. That's an that's, movie. I still laugh at how I became aware of that movie. Because <laughs> it, was, it was this little engine that could that all of a sudden all yeah. my classmates knew something about. And I had no idea what they were talking about. I was in ninth grade biology. Jason's heard this story before, but I was in ninth grade biology, and we were dissecting frogs. Oh, and man. <laughs> uh, kids behind me, in reference to we were supposed to do the eye this one uh, day, and so kids behind me just kept saying, you'll shoot your eye out, you'll shoot your <laughs> eye out. And it, they all knew what they were talking about. And I was like, what? is going on right now (laughs) yeah tom another best friend of the show but he's never appeared on the show he uh he was just referencing it and i was like what are you talking about i was like oh with the santa kicks them down the thing after saying you'll shoot your eye i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about and he was like oh you've got to see that and then so that was like maybe over the summer or in the fall when he said that to me at the first year I lived here in, in Spartanburg. And then at Christmas I saw it and we just thought it, we just, it was hysterical. That's probably a number two for me. It's funny too, that, that it goes from not doing well in the box office to becoming this thing, almost a cult thing that people <laughs> yeah. are starting to kind of see, but mainstream doesn't know about it to now being on air for 24 hours straight every year. Yeah. But, the, but a lot of the greats are like that. It's a Wonderful Life flopped in the box office. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's quintessential. No, it's, uh, those are both classics. Bonafide. Mm-hmm. And, of course, A Christmas Carol. Most versions of that. Scrooged. No, yeah. <laughs> I do like Scrooge, but yeah. I understand when people don't. There's like a, a rhythm issue maybe with that movie for, for people. Um, but there are a lot of parts of that movie that I like. Okay, now let's end our discussion with some talk of SNL. So there was just the SNL Christmas episode hosted by Kristen Wiig a couple of days ago. And last week they also showed, the NBC also aired the SNL Christmas special episode in prime time. Does anyone have, and Justine, we'll start with you, a, a favorite SNL Christmas episode or and or holiday sketch? Oh, wow. Episode? I'm not enough, I'm not knowledgeable enough about SNL to have an episode. Mm-hmm. But, and I know it's like so cliche, but I was rewatching stuff today because you had sent out like a link with like some old Christmas sketches. And like, to me, it's got to be Dick in the Box. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I think it really holds up. Like, it's just very funny to me. One of the parts of that sketch that has always um, impressed me is that there's that part of the song 
where everything goes silent. <laughs> I knew what you're talking about. And it's just like the audience, they, they had all this built-up energy <laughs> from how ridiculous the sketch was. They go crazy during that silent moment. Yeah. And then it just goes back to, is it in Yeah. Now that was, I remember the first time we saw it because we were here and my mom saw it and she said, I think that's the funniest thing I've ever seen on this show. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and, and it's, and the other thing that has, that's like that crystallized of a moment in my brain is Lazy Sunday. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to see Lazy Sunday live. Jason just emailed me uh, the chronic what kills of Narnia. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> He'll shoot your eye out. What? <laughs> yeah, Dick in a Box. It's between Dick in a Box and Shorty Balls, and I think I have to give the edge to Dick in a Box. Oh, yeah. Shorty, Shorty well. Balls is so yeah. good, but Dick Nobody in a Box. Nobody can beat my Shorty Balls. <laughs> <laughs> I love the style of humor of Shweddy Balls. Uh, it's to, and I don't mean the like double entendre. Pl- I, I mean the nailing the NPR, NPR vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that's it's so what funny. I adore about that. Yeah, totally. But that's also what helps the double entendre to be that much yeah. funnier because yeah. it's these dry. <laughs> plain spoken like flat voiced people saying some of the dirtiest things except they're so earnest about it yeah because they're to them they're not saying anything dirty <laughs> love it uh if i were to say a favorite snl christmas episode it's probably jimmy fallon's but justin timberlake's was pretty great let's do some honorable mention snl sketches and uh, i do have to say i i've always loved that steve martin christmas wish reprise i guess is the name of it just the one where he's saying if he had one christmas wish it would be for like world peace and or you know then all the children of the world to sing a song together stuff like that like the things you're supposed to say but then he would start remembering Something that's really just selfish that he wants, <laughs> and then he starts, and he starts, starts like pushing things back. I'm like, well, so this would be my number one. Oh, but then also I need like revenge, <laughs> like revenge like, against all my enemies. <laughs> yeah. right. and he keeps pushing like the good things back, and then at some point he's just like hand waving. I was like, of course the thing with the kids, but then <laughs> it's so fun. It's like classic yeah. Steve Martin, and I I love Steve Martin. I love that sketch. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Now, I admittedly forgot to look up SNL sketches, so I'm going off memory here. But another classic Alec Baldwin one is the spoof of Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glengarry Glen Christmas. Yeah. Elf motivation. Yeah. Oh, Elf that's you. So funny. <laughs> and uh, always be cobbling <laughs> with the, I assume, purposeful misspeak of yeah. always be closing. Just if, for those handful of people who didn't get the reference, but it's that's the only scene in the in the movie that Alec Baldwin's in, I think. And they made that character up for the movie, right? And he nailed it so well, and the scene got so popular that they added it to the play. Mm-hmm. That's probably never ah. happened with any other play that was made a movie in history. Yeah, that's so I think awesome. the the history of of the movie 
help to nail. But the sketch would have been funny no matter whether you knew if anything you about the movie or the character or not, because it's just the ridiculousness of this motivational guy <laughs> and, and the way that he was motivating them. Uh, I mean, it's true to Wall Street in that era, but then you put it in the context of elves. <laughs> Santa's happiest place with the workshop is just great. Yeah. And of course, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. The Hanukkah song is a classic, and I also classic song is uh, Christmas time for the Jews. I I love that. <laughs> it's so so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nice shout out to John Stewart and that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yeah, those things are great. And I wish it was Christmas today. Oh. <laughs> our whole family loves them yeah it's just, the thing I mean they're all great in that bit and, and every time they've done it they've been ridiculous in a good way but it's the seriousness on Tracy Morgan's face <laughs> juxtaposed by the crazy grinning by everybody else <laughs> especially um, uh, Catan yeah oh that's a fun one um What's another? What's another? We'll we'll end uh, with mentioning one more. Um, little baby eighty. I've called her. Uh, I've called eighty Bryant. Little baby eighty. Ever since the uh, do it on my twin bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and I think that deserves an honorable mention. And I think uh, I just saw it on your screen, and it helped make me because one of my fa- I tend to like uh, gravitate to a lot of the musical numbers anyway. Mm-hmm. And Santa's my, my boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> That's another one I love. It's probably a top five uh, SNL Christmas. And I, and I think it's also when, as a musical number, they get to sing live from New York at Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that adds a little extra thing to me. Because that's obviously an iconic line mm-hmm. anyway. And so to be able to sing it uh, just adds yeah. more to it. Yeah, and uh, Kristen Wiggs in that sketch, and then in her monologue, she sang with Maya again, as she did in the Santa's My Boyfriend, and then Kate McKinnon instead of Tina Fey, and uh, they sounded so good uh, mm-hmm. doing that. That was a fun monologue. Yeah. That was a great Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was, yeah. Also, like, um, the rope sketch, you know, as far as Christmas sketches from the most recent SNL, rope <laughs> sketch. I've been rewatching that. That one really tickled me i don't know why <laughs> i think part of it is how much kyle and and chloe nailed the kids yeah they really seem like kids yeah they really do and like the long list of gifts that everybody's getting except mom just has the one robe <laughs> it's so funny. And the dog oh gosh and the dog's robe is nicer than the mom's robe oh <laughs> uh. Well, there it is. Thank you both so much for being on the Christmas episode. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't get to talk much. Oh, Oh my gosh. Big Bear, I'm sorry. I just didn't know that you wanted to. Thought you just wanted to watch. Well, I guess I can go into song. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. I'm Big Bear. Big Bear, we don't have money to steal that song. <laughs> uh, childhood friend of the show, you're welcome back. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Merry Christmas. And please uh, go to thereitispod.com and check out the blog that we have a bunch of information about. 
festivals. We're going to have a festival blog coming up for January. And, of course, Mr. is also uh, wagging his tail as he is very pleased with what's going on over on thereitispod.com. Oh, and you should also mention the YouTube page. If you we have a YouTube page now, and you can go to youtube.com slash there it is to find that. We are putting episodes up on there, and um, we're putting old episodes up. Newsletter, uh, you got a newsletter. We got a newsletter, you can subscribe to that. If you go to thereitispod.com, just click on the newsletter tab. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to have new episodes happening in late January. We'll let you know the official date. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Merry Christmas, your beautiful building alone. (laughs) Ha ha ha!